They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 26th day of February. And you can tell Terry and I are having a good time already. We are. We're just getting started here. And you know what, Mary, just for those who are in Southern California, after our show, we go over to the church, our Sacred Heart Chapel in Covina, for Holy Hour, and then at 2 o'clock we have a special Mass. With Father Wolfgang, and then we have another hour of adoration. Yeah. So we'd love to have you join us if you're in the area. If you're in the area, please join us. You know, prayer. We need to pray. This is this is Lent. We want to. We called our show today, going deeper in the scriptures uh, for this Lent. Um, the, our, the scriptures are our guide. They're a guide uh, to holiness. Our guide through um, our life. How is it we're supposed to respond? What are we supposed to be doing? Um, so we want to really go deep into the scriptures and come to an understanding of what it is that God is asking of us. And that means we have to be quiet and take time to do that. That's, by the way, why we're doing that holy hour today. Mm. We pray for priests on on Thursday evening, and on Friday we just try and spend some time. Friday, Remember, Friday is always the day. We always remember Christ died on a Friday. So we want to remember that and do penance on Fridays in particular in, in thanking the Lord for what he has done for us. And then asking him to help us overcome sin, which, by the way, penance does. You know, Mary, you remind me of, of sharing something with our listeners. I didn't know this till years ago, but we have devotions during the week. Every yes, day is dedicated day. to a certain thing. That's right. For example, Sunday, the Blessed Trinity. So when you go to Sunday Mass, that's what we're dedicating the day to. On Monday, the poor souls in purgatory, praying for the souls, your relatives, your friends, your godparents. Good advice. What's Tuesday? Guardian angels. Mm -hmm. Pray often to your guardian angel asking for help. What is the church doing? It's basically centering our life on God. Yeah. Every day, dedicate Wednesday, St. Joseph. Joseph. This is the year of St. Joseph. So we want to think of St. Joseph on Wednesday. And Thursday, Mary just talked about it. The Holy Holy Eucharist, the priesthood, it's when it was established. So make a visit, extra visit to the Blessed Sacrament on Thursdays. And then today, I bet you can guess. Friday, the Passion of Our Lord. Him. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. The Passion and Death of Our Lord. And Saturdays, you probably heard Bishop Sheen talk about it. Mm-hmm. He always offered Mass for the Blessed Virgin Mary on Saturdays. So if you're not praying the Rosary daily, at least pray it on Saturdays. Amen. All right. Amen. So we'll look at today's Gospel, and then we're going to look at some other... Um, What I'm going to use, what we're using today is we're going to use the scriptures that the church is giving us for this Lent as our guide. And today we'll start with the gospel of the day, Friday of the first week of Lent. This was the first full week of Lent. Mm -hmm. And the reading is from Matthew 5, 20 through 26. And what does Jesus say here? Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill, and whoever kills will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, and whoever says to his brother Racha will be answerable to the Sanhedrin, and whoever says, you fool, 
will be liable to the fiery Gehenna. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there recall that your brother has anything against you, leave your gift there at the altar. Go first and be reconciled with your brother and then come and offer your gift. Settle with your opponent quickly while you are on the way to court. Otherwise, your opponent will hand you over to the judge, and the judge will hand you over to the guard, and you will be thrown into prison. Amen, I say to you, you will not be released until you have paid the last penny. The Mm. gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus here, he's saying, you you know, your righteousness has to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees, or you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, what is he referring to? Well, in Judaism, by the time of Jesus' day, and this legalism had crept in. Oh, yeah. It's like, okay, Lord, if I do this and this and this, then you owe me this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, tit for tat, whatever, I'm earning my salvation. Well, if I'm earning my salvation, then who's my savior? I am. (laughs) Well, no, Jesus is saying no. No, you're not your own savior. Everything is a gift from God. The very desire to do good, the very desire to want to pray, the very desire to want to be in union with God, the very desire to want to carry out God's will is a free gift from God. I didn't merit that. But God does attach merit to our works, not because he owes it to us, but because he desires to share with us his own goodness. But the scribes and the Pharisees thought all they had to do was externally observe the law. Well, how do we know this? Jesus calls them whitewashed sepulchers. He has some not so nice things to say. What is he saying? What is on the inside? Remember when they talk about the food, you know, and you didn't wash your hands. And he's saying it's not what goes into the mouth, you know, that goes into the stomach and goes out through the latrine. That's not what makes a man unclean. It's what comes out of the heart. Mm. So what is Jesus getting at here? Your righteousness has to go to the heart of who you are. How deep does it have to go? Well, Jesus gives some pretty strong words here, and it it's, makes us a little uncomfortable sometimes mm-hmm. because people do hurt us, and sometimes people repeatedly hurt us, yeah. and it, it's very difficult to forgive. Right. And sometimes people deliberately hurt us. Most of the time when people hurt us, it, it has nothing to do. It's not even personal. It's right. just thoughtlessness on the part of people. We're thoughtless people. We're not thinking about anyone else but ourselves and what I need to do, and we don't even really consider how that's going to affect the people around us. It takes a discipline and a work for us to actually get to the point where we're thinking about, well, if I do this, how is it going to affect somebody else? Right. You know, it, it, and that you know takes a little finesse. Mm-hmm. Anyway, he says, you heard that it was said to your ancestors, you shall not kill. And whoever kills shall be liable to the judgment. Well, Jesus doesn't do away with that commandment. It still stands. You yeah. shall not kill. You don't take innocent life. And it, and it translates as thou shall not murder. Innocent. Right. Yeah, that's the... Right. You don't take innocent life. You do not have the right to take innocent life. But what does he go on to say? But whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Whoever says to his brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the fiery Gehenna. Well, here's the deal. Whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to the judgment. Jesus is not talking about just simply the feeling of anger. Okay, this idea that we should never feel angry is a false idea. That's not Christianity. The fathers of the church wrote, 
If you can look on injustice and not feel anger, something is wrong. Right. We're human. We have a body. When we see injustice, we should feel anger. Our emotions are good. God made them, and they have a purpose. The purpose of anger is that that's the emotion that God gave to move the just man to correct injustice. So I see something unjust. I feel that emotion of anger. I'm supposed to move to correct it. Now, if I choose that anger with my will and start saying, well, I hate you and I'm going to hurt you and I'm going to get revenge. And I start harboring thoughts about how, well, you hurt me and you won't talk to me. And so I'm going to expose you to the public and I'm going to tell everybody all your faults and I'm going to let everybody know how mean you are. Well, no, now you're choosing this with your will that you're going a step further. Okay. But the feeling of anger, if someone hurts you, if someone kills your brother and you know, you have a right to feel the emotion of anger. Sure. But again, and I've, I, we've talked about this yeah. before, but when you feel the emotion of anger, you have to be able to stop and say, okay, am I angry because my pride is hurt or is this really an injustice? Mm. Okay, if there's a real injustice going on, is it my place to correct it? That's a good one. Because sometimes, you know, every injustice that we see, remember, you know, Father pointed out recently, Jesus and his mother and St. Joseph lived under Roman oppression. Do you know that Jesus doesn't say much politically in the Gospels at all? That's a fact. Except that when he's asked, you know, do we pay the tax? He says, well, whose head is on that coin? You know, who does this coin belong to? Oh, well, then render to Caesar what is Caesar's, but to God what is God's. So Jesus is not a political person. He's not coming in to, to, to rail against the politics of the day. And not, he's not even railing against the injustices of Rome. Even John the Baptist, when the soldiers come to him and said, what are we supposed to do? He says, stop, stop grumbling about your pay and don't, don't extort people. You know, in other words, don't rule, rule over people with a, a, an iron hand and, and use your position as a soldier to, to extort other people. So the idea that every injustice is mine to correct is not necessarily true. Jesus didn't correct all the injustices of the Roman Empire that he saw going on. But it's always my position to pray. I can offer it up to God in prayer and say, Lord, what am I supposed to do? Is there anything I can do here? What is the most effective means and method of correction? Now, if it's your own children, you know, if it's your own family, yeah, it might be yours to speak. But sometimes, too, in our own family, if we've spoken, if we've tried to correct an injustice that keeps occurring time and time again, sometimes we have to stop speaking. We have to, Christ was silent in the face of injustice often. And so sometimes we have to offer our silence in union with his silence as our offering to God. I will be silent. So when Jesus says here, whoever is angry with his brother, he's not talking about the feeling, the emotion of anger that you feel if someone has really done an injustice. It's the choosing of that anger with your will. Wow. We got a quick break coming up. Continue to do the readings of the mass schedule. And this is a great time for Lent. If you uh, look at uh, this first week of Lent, how do your examination of conscience yeah. for the week and then ask yourself, what can you do better for the next week? Absolutely. So when we Absolutely. come back, we'll continue with the Word of God here on the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. So, welcome back here on this Friday, uh, February the 26th, Bible with the Barbers, and we're looking at Matthew 5, 20, 20 through 26, which, by the way, is part of the Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew and um, Jesus is talking about, he's, he's taking the law to a, to a deeper level, okay? Thou shalt not kill. And then he says, but I say to you, by the way, he's showing his authority, but I say to you, okay, this is what Moses taught, thou shalt not kill. He taught that because God gave him that commandment. And Jesus says, but I say to you. So Jesus is showing himself to be greater than Moses. He has, he, he is the lawgiver, of course, and he's trying to not directly say it, but indicate to the people, I'm the one who makes the law. And this is what the law means. It's not just about your physical actions or your external actions. It has to go to the heart of the matter. So first he says, whoever is angry read his brother. And we talked about that. And then he says, and whoever says to his brother Raka will be answerable to the Sanhedrin. Now the word Raka, that Hebrew word, it means, you know, a foolish person, uh, a st- stupid or crazy, mm. okay? And, and that person would be answerable to the Sanhedrin. So he would come before uh, the, the, the church to say, you have to say, I'm sorry for doing this. So he's, he's under the judgment of the church. And he goes a step further. But then he says, whoever says you fool will be liable to fiery Gehenna. When he says fiery Gehenna, he's saying hell. Mm. Y- you could go to hell. For calling your brother a fool. Well, what is this word? The word fool is a stronger, the, the Hebrew word that's translated the fool is a stronger word than um, the raka, which just means a foolish, stupid, or, or, or crazy person. The word, the Hebrew word for that is translated fool actually means a person who has lost all moral and religious sense to the point of apostasy. Can I just jump in here because that definition really makes me think about our own time here in the 21st century. Yeah. We're fools if we leave God. Precisely. Are we apostatizing from God? Yeah. Do we think we can there's a better way with the world? Do you think do we think the government's going to save no, us? No, and that and that's the challenge, Mary Danielle, is that who are, who are we serving? Who are we believing? Who are we worshiping? It's true. Who is the God that we adore? You know, is it our convenience? Mm-hmm. Is it our place in society? Is it what other people think of us? Mm-hmm. Is it our con- comfort, our um, wealth, our, you know, government, state? Even then, then we, we, you know, we all make this mistake sometimes. We think, oh, if only we had the right president, everything would be perfect. No, what has to happen is the heart, my heart has to change. Is my heart right with God? Am I still walking around? And this is, this is the part of the examination that has to come to us. This is how we go deeper with the scriptures. I need to look at myself and I say, okay, where am I harboring grudges against my brothers and sisters, against people who have hurt me? Have I cut people out of my life and said, I don't need this negative energy? Well, honey, it's not about negative energy. You know, when I choose to hate someone, that actually makes me incapable of loving fully. Yeah. It hurts you more than it hurts them. It does. And and actually, if someone has hurt you and then you decide to be angry at them and, and keep harboring grudges against them, you know, you've given them total power over your life. Yeah. Because and in a sense, it's not them, 
but you're letting your hatred for them destroy you. And it's destroying you. And there's so many instances of this where people have chosen to forgive and it has brought life and healing. Bishop Sheen tells the beautiful story of um, this Christian couple in Germany. And they had a friend who was, he was a Nazi and, and he went around killing Jews. And he came to visit one time and the husband was downstairs, the wife was upstairs. And, and so he was talking to him and the husband's trying to talk to him about forgiveness and the Lord mm. can forgive. And, and he said, look, you know, I've killed so many Jews, who could forgive me, whatever. And he said, and the husband said, look, have you been to this particular village in Germany? Yes, I have. How many Jews did you kill there? I killed everyone there that I could find. Everyone's dead. Mm. And he said, okay, my wife hasn't heard this conversation. I'm gonna, this is a true story. Yep. I'm going to call her down here. And he called his wife down. And, and now his wife is a Christian. He says to her, honey, I want you to meet the man who killed your parents mm. and all your brothers and sisters and relatives. And she looked at him and she said, Jesus forgives you and I forgive you. Wow. And the man just broke down. I bet. And the reality was that this, he, the, the, the Nazi didn't know that his friend's wife had been a Jew and she converted to Christianity and that that was her village that he destroyed and killed all those people. Mm. And she forgives him. She doesn't hate him. She doesn't, she asked the Lord, she has already probably exercised this in her heart to be able to overcome the emotion of anger that she would rightfully have felt. Mm-hmm. But, but she forgives the man, mm-hmm. and this brings healing, and it brings him the ability to embrace Christ. And wasn't it the commandant who was the commandant at um, Maximian Kolbe's yeah. concentration camp where Maximian Kolbe was interned? Yeah. And he actually, became, he actually repented later on. Yeah, Mons- the Monsignor actually brought him into the faith. Monsignor Callahan or the Irish bishop. No, no, the, the one at Maximian Colby said the commandant, the commandant. Oh, that commandant, yeah. Colby and yeah, the commandant. Several of them have done that. Yeah, and there's, yeah, my, my, there was, um, there, there's the, the Scarlet and the Black, the Scarlet Pimpernickel of the Vatican yeah, was that's a good Monsignor one. O'Callaghan. They made a movie, The Scarlet and the Black. It's not completely true to life, but the idea is that here was this Monsignor, he was smuggling not only Jews, but he was um, protecting American soldiers who had been shot down behind the enemy lines and stuff right. from the Nazis. And, and they knew somebody was. They knew there was this <coughs> network to protect all these people that right. they were trying to catch up with. And um, finally what happens is the Americans arrive, and there's this, this is the one that took place in Rome. The, the man who was the commander of the Nazis in Rome, he had a wife and a son. And so he knows that the Americans are coming. He's going to get arrested for what he's done. Um and, and he asked the Monsignor O'Callaghan to um, smuggle his wife and son nope, out. No, yeah. Well, what's interesting, in the movie, O'Callaghan just says, no, I won't. And some people interpret that as saying that was just an angry priest. And I'm not so sure that was an angry priest. Monsignor O'Callaghan was a very clever man. Mm-hmm. He knew that if he told the Nazi, when the Nazi was interrogated by the Americans, the Nazi would have to say, well, this is the person who did it. Yeah. And then, and, and so Monsignor O'Callaghan says no. But it's not a no that, no, I won't do it. It's a, it's, you know, a no, I'm, you're not going to know who gets your wife and son out. But we'll get him, you know, in, in his own heart, we'll yeah. get him out. And he does. When, they, when, when, the, when the, that, that particular Nazi was captured by the Americans, and he said, look, you had this network of peop- smuggling people around, and your wife and son were smuggled out of, and, and we want to know how they how they got out. And he looked at them and he said, "I don't 
know. <laughs> he had never fully figured out O'Callaghan's modus operandi. Yeah. But while that man was in prison, the only person who came to visit him was Monsignor O'Callaghan. That's right. And and this this was the, the thing between O'Callaghan and the Nazi was that this Nazi had pursued O'Callaghan to arrest him and kill him. He wanted to catch him so that he could put him to death. And he even, he even put into prison one of O'Callaghan's priest friends and beat him up. Yeah. And, and O'Callaghan, dressed as a Nazi, snuck into the prison and brought the last rites to the priest who was dying. And, but when, when, when the man was in prison, when the Nazi was in prison, Monsignor O'Callaghan went to visit him. And eventually he received him into the church. Wow. And that, that forgiveness, and this is, we have to work at this. This is what right. Jesus is talking about here. Oh, yeah. You know, we need to be reconciled. What does he say in the next phase? If you go to the altar, remember there that your brother has something against you. Go and be reconciled with your brother. And sometimes it can be hard because sometimes we said something or did something to somebody and they won't talk to us. They won't look at us. They won't in, in, interact with us. And we try to apologize and there's no response. And we're like, I don't even know what I did. <laughs> I, I, and so what do we We pray? We lift them up in prayer and just say, Lord, you know, but but for us personally, the temptation is when somebody decides, well, I'm not going to, they're not going to tell you. It's like, fine, I won't talk to them either. And I'm going to, you know, yeah. that's not the response. Right. The response is that prayer. You know, Deacon Bob McDonald did a CD years ago called Anger and, and Forgiveness. Hundreds of thousands of these went out through Lighthouse, 8,000 parishes and we just got a really good response. Many people told me right to my face, that CD helped me reconcile with my sister or my brother, my mother. Yeah. And so I want to recommend that if you want to get that recording, go ahead and call the office upstairs at 877-526-2151. They'll get you a download of it. Right. And that way you could hear Deacon Bob McDonald. He was a medical doctor and psychiatrist. Right, right. And a permanent deacon. Right, right. So it has a great, great yeah, aspect right. and explanation. It helps, and it really helps us to understand the emotion of anger mm. and how to process it. Mm -mm. Okay, so yeah, that in the excellent. So all you got to do is call the toll free number eight seven seven five two six two one five one. If you want to make a donation, that helps support what we're doing. If you can't make a donation, you still get the download. There okay. you go. And yeah. you can always pray for us. Amen. That, that's More that's a big donation. We really need that too. So, so Jesus wants us to reconcile with our brother and he warns that we should settle with our opponent on the way to court otherwise the opponent will hand you over to the judge and the judge will hand you over to the guard and you will be thrown into prison amen i say to you you will not be released until you've paid the last penny yeah. and, and and now that 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 can apply you know to the reality of purgatory exactly where i was going to that go. Yep. if we don't repent of our sins and don't make amends mm -hmm. for the wrong we've done here on earth then we're going to have to, you know, if I if I die in the state of grace, but I, I'm still, you know, um, haven't done reparation, okay? I break my neighbor's window, but if I don't pay for it to be fixed, restitution, how, restitution, yep. how is it going to get fixed? Yep. You know, if I if I embezzle five thousand dollars, when I go to confession and the priest forgives me for that, he'll say, by the way, you need to make arrangements to pay that back. Bishop Sheen had a great story about that. There was a lady who came to him and said, would you go see my brother in prison? Yeah. Yeah. And my brother in the hospital, he's dying. He's starving to death. And, and um, nobody can do anything for him. The doctors can't help him, whatever. Can, can, will you meet with him? And Bishop Sheen said, okay, I'll, I'll meet with him for, you know, for 15 minutes. So the man was able to be brought to him. 
And Bishop Sheen was, he let the man talk for 45 minutes. And just a 15-minute meeting turned into 45. And then Bishop Sheen said, let me interrupt you for a minute. How much did you steal? Uh-huh. And they said, you're calling me a thief. I'm not a thief. What are you talking about? How much was it? And again, the man denies it. And Bishop Sheen says, how much did you steal? Yeah. And the man said, $5,000. And Bishop, Bishop Sheen, the guy was relieved. He was relieved it was out. And then Bishop Sheen made arrangements for him to repay Beautiful. the $5,000. Mm-hmm. And you know what? All of a sudden, his health recovered. You see, what happened was he was denying a sin he had committed. He was trying to deny it. And in so doing, he was destroying his own physical health. But once the, the restitution, when he, once he confessed it, and he confessed it because Bishop Sheen, and, and he, the guy said, but how did you know? <laughs> and he said, I didn't know. But you said, Bishop Sheen listened. He said, don't listen to, listen to why people say Not what, what they, they say. what they say, but why. Why. And, and, and the man said, every time I put money in the collection plate, I wipe it off. <laughs> and Bishop Sheen I f- said, I figured it was dirty money. See, so we confess our sins. Fantastic. It's good for the body and the soul. I love those Bishop Sheen stories. Full Sheen ahead here at the Bible with the Barbers. If we come back, we'll have more of a biblical worldview on life in general here on the Bible with the Barbers. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, Call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you for joining us on this February 26th, Friday of the first week of Lent. And we're looking at the gospel of the day, which is Matthew 5, 20 through 26, and talking about how how deep Jesus wants us to go with this. Our love for God is not just an external practice. It's not just um, a show. Mm -hmm. It has to go deep to the heart to change us in the heart. And, you know, Jesus talked about anger. And then he says, if you go to the altar and have something against, remember, you have something against your brother, you need to go and be reconciled. Now, our, you know, we love God first above everyone, but we have to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Jesus upped that a bit at the Last Supper. Well, not a bit, a whole bunch. Mm. He said, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus gave his life for us when we were his enemies. When we were dead in sin, he gave his life for us mm. to free us from the power of sin. So he's really challenging us to change. And, and there, what, what are the things that we know? This gossip, the backbiting, the calumny, these are against Christian charity. But, and we, they come from where? They come from a heart that is um, resentful or hateful. We need to get the resentments and the hatred out. So we need to make the act of the will to say, you know, if someone hurts us, it's like, okay, Lord, I don't, I don't consent to the sin of anger. I acknowledge the emotion of anger that I feel right now, you know, and then examine whether I can correct the injustice or not. But I need to move on. I need to move on to a point of forgiveness, but not not denying that I have an emotion of anger that God that is God given that helps me correct injustice. But maybe it's to move me to pray harder or to fast or to make some other. I remember Ralph Martin was talking. I I don't usually listen to Ralph mm-hmm. Martin, but I just happened to hear this. And he, he talked about how, you know, he had been praying for this one particular person and there didn't seem to be any effect. And he decided to add fasting to it. Yep. And he said, you know, I used to fast on bread and water, but that became ridiculous because I would eat so much bread on the days that I ate bread. I was fasting on bread and water. It wasn't fast anymore. <laughs> so he said, you figure out a type of fasting that actually works for me. You know, maybe I won't have dessert today. Maybe I'll fast from that 
resentful word that I was going to say. Maybe somebody hurt me and I want to tell everybody about how mean they are. I'll fast from that. You know, figure out the fasting that works for you and, and do it. Do it and ask the Lord. Ask your holy angel to, to inspire you and to help you. And, and why is this so important? Why do we want to forgive? Why are we forgiving? Who are we following here? Well, I want to go into the first reading today from Exodus, Exodus 18, 21 through 18. Thus says the Lord God, if the wicked man turns away from all the sins he committed, if he keeps all my statutes and does what is right and just, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of the crimes he committed shall be remembered against him. He shall live because of the virtue he has practiced. Do I indeed derive any pleasure from the death of the wicked, says the Lord God? Do I not rather rejoice when he turns away from evil that he may live? People, are we supposed to be rejoicing and praying that God will come and wipe out all the bad guys? That God's going to get these guys. They're Mm going to get their comeropotence. They're going to. What about that Christian man who had the Nazi friend? In Germany, he didn't say, well, you're going to go to hell because of all the people you killed and tough luck for you. He said, God could forgive you if you'll just ask. And then he asked his wife, will you forgive the man who, who killed your, your mother and father and your brothers and sisters? Mm-hmm. And she did. And so he was able to accept God's forgiveness. Or the, the Nazi that Monsignor O'Callaghan said he had to battle with for I don't know how many years it was in Rome, yeah. several years. And then in the end, Monsignor O'Callaghan brings him the love of Christ. So God doesn't wish the death of the sinner. I remember it was so sweet. My oldest sister, she's our half-sister, but uh, my second oldest brother got sick in August, uh, in, in April of 2019. He ended up in the hospital in August. And she said, she said, but he's the nicest man. Why? <laughs> Why is he having to suffer like this? Why is it? And, and she said, there's so many of these bad people out there, and they're getting old. They're getting to be 80. They're getting to be 90, and they're still hanging around, and they're doing all these horrible things. And I said... God adds days and years to the life of the sinner that he might repent. Mm-hmm. Our brother ended up dying in August of 2019. And he died a holy death. He died a holy death. He, his family was there praying with him. He yep. was over 70 years old. He'd lived a good life. He tried to you know, teach his children the faith. But when you see people who are doing wicked and they're still living, pray for their conversion. Yeah. Beg the Lord. It's like, Jesus, please let the precious blood that you shed for them, you know, beyond them for for conversion and mercy god doesn't wish the death of the sinner he wants the sinner to turn to him and repent and this is what he's trying to teach israel you know so this eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth yeah this is what they had in the old law but they weren't listening to the heart of god because in the heart of god what does he say if the wicked man turns away from his sin and does penance like the people of of Nineveh, when Jonah went to preach to them, Jesus, mm-hmm. they were told 40 days more and Nineveh will be destroyed. Right. And they, they fasted and put on sackcloth and the king put aside his robes, put on sackcloth, sat in the ashes and decreed that neither man nor beast should eat anything or drink any water for three days. In addition to that, the king said, you see in here, he got to the heart of the matter. Every man turn aside from the violence he has at hand, and perhaps the Lord will relent. You see, if we turn to God, he will relent. He doesn't want to punish us. He doesn't. John Vianney used to tell his congregation, God wants to bless you, and he would cry. He would weep as he spoke to his people. 
St. John Vianney, the curé of ours, mm. parish priest patron, pray for us. He would weep and he would say, God wants to bless you. And by your sins, you force him to curse you. God gives us free will. And if we won't give up our sins, then we'll, we'll have to live with those, the consequence of that for all eternity. We ask the Lord that we give up our sins and it begins with our neighbor. So we rejoice when someone repents of their sins. We rejoice when someone is converted. We don't rejoice when someone does evil. And we shouldn't say they're going to get theirs. You know, Mary, I thought I brought up on the Terry and Jesse show today, Father Murr's story about the great general from yeah. Mexico. Yeah. And how I'm just relating it to this because he had lived a wretched life his yeah. whole life. Yeah. He killed priests. He killed right. pe pe lay people for the persecution of the church. Yeah. And then the prayers of his wife yeah. and 12 children for all those years praying for daddy. Right. That he would come to know Jesus. And he was so bitter during all these years. And through the grace of God and Father Murr was that little channel that God used to get him baptized, yeah. confirmed, to get married 15 minutes before he died right. in the hospital. And it shows me again, I know some people might say, that's not fair. You know, in the economy of God's salvation, he, like you said, adds years. He was in his 80s. Yeah, he was old. And, but he was, you know, and the thing is, if I remember the story correctly, his, yep. his wife, he had kidnapped this girl when she was 15 years old and essentially raped her. Yeah. And said, you're mine now. That's right. And you know what? She was Catholic and she prayed for him. This was a communist. He was a communist. That's he, right. was, he, he went up the ranks in the military, but eventually became a general. Without him knowing it, as each child was born, she raised the children Catholic. That's she beautiful. taught them the Catholic faith secretly yep. so that their father wouldn't know. And she taught them to pray for their father. Mm. And so, and Father Murr didn't learn this until there, there it is After. at the deathbed. And he's like, well, wait a minute. Was your husband ever baptized? No, he was never baptized. Yeah. And yet she prayed and she carried this weight for. I think they'd been married over 60, 60 years, years. Yeah. and it was like, and she offered all of that. Yeah. And that's a hard road to walk, yeah. but with the grace of God, whatever the road is, God has asked you to walk. We can walk that. And it has to do with forgiveness. Exactly. And then go, God goes on in Exodus and he said, and if the virtuous man turns from the path of virtue to do evil, the same kind of abominable things that the wicked man does, can he do this and still live? None of his virtuous deeds shall be remembered. Because he has broken faith and committed sin. Because of this, he shall die. You say the Lord's way is not fair, like you said, but yeah. that's not fair. Hear now, house of Israel. Is it my way that is unfair or rather are not your ways unfair? Mm -hmm. When someone virtuous turns away from virtue to commit iniquity and dies, it is because of the iniquity he committed that he must die. But if the wicked turning from his wickedness has committed that he has committed does what is right and just, he shall preserve his life since he has turned away from all the sins that he committed. He shall surely live and he shall not die. And yeah, we like to say God's ways are not fair. And I, yeah. my mother always told us this was a true story, a tragic one. Uh, there was this man and he, had, he was alcoholic and he would work all week. But then on Saturday night, every Saturday night, he would go and get drunk. And on Sunday morning, he and his wife would go to church mm -hmm. and go to mass. They were Catholic. And he would 
begged the priest before Mass to hear his confession. He wanted to receive Holy Communion. So he'd go to communion. This went on for years, for years. And sometimes the priest would refuse. No, I'm not. You're, you need to stop drinking. If you're sorry for this, you need mm-hmm. to stop. But the, the man would beg and beg and beg. And, and eventually the priest would hear his confession. And so eventually when the man was dying, his wife wasn't going to call a priest for him. Wow. Instead of being like the wife of the general who had prayed for yeah. the conversion of her husband and had offered up all her suffering, this woman had gotten bitter because of all of the discomfort and whatever, I don't know pain. what all her, yeah, the all the pain that this man had put her through for all those years. She was like, when he's dying, I'm he not calling it. a priest. He can go to hell. <laughs> yep. Wow. And you know what? She said, the priest, someone called a priest and the yeah. priest came and he was anointed. And she said, then I don't want to go to heaven. People examine ourselves. Yeah. Are we saying that if this person gets to heaven, I don't want to be there? <gasps> what are we saying? No, no. God made us for himself. He made us for union with himself. He made us to be with him in heaven. That's it. You know, Lord, give me the grace to forgive. I love Mother Angelica's story about oh, yeah. the woman who called her and said, look, would you pray for my daughters? They're estranged. You know, they haven't spoken to each other in 20 years. Oh my gosh, yes, I'll pray. What, what, what happened? Oh, their grandmother left them a commode and they were, they've argued over who Ooh. should get it. And mother said, a commode? You mean like a commode commode? I'll have to finish the story. It's a good story. Break. You Don't won't want to miss away. it. Mother Angelica, please pray for us in these Amen. crazy times. She <laughs> talked about that in her own lifetime. She did. are listening to the Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. And you're going to hear our great Mother Angelica story about forgiveness when we come back from the break. You will not want to miss that. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome back to Bible with Barbers. We're finishing up the show today. Um, This is the last segment. Thank you for joining us. And we're talking about the gospel of today and the first reading of today. And um, we want to go deeper into scripture during Lent as our guide for what we are supposed to do. And of course, the guide today is is forgiveness. We don't harbor grudges against people. And um, just before the break, I started telling you a story that Mother Angelica told years ago on EWTN on Mother Angelica Live about this woman who asked mother to pray for her daughters who hadn't talked to each other for years. And they mother and said, certainly I'll talk. I think it was 20 years. They hadn't talked to each other. And well, what, what on earth happened? And, um, Oh, their grandmother left them a commode and they're fighting over whose it is. What you mean a commode, like a commode, commode, a bathroom commode. Oh yes, mother, but you have to understand it's inlaid. And Mother Angelica, she's, it, Mother Angelica was cute. I don't know if you all saw her on TV or, you know, I've seen the replays, but she said, she said, can't you just see this? You know, here they are in hell. And, and somebody says, and what are you in for? And I said, I'm in here for a commode. Oh, but it was an inlaid commode. You got to understand. And so, oh, so are our material things more important to us than our eternal salvation? By the way, are our feelings more important to us than our eternal salvation? You know, this, this whole, the disruption in human relationships often comes over, over misunderstandings. You know, somebody says, I don't like what you said. And you're like, well, what was it I said? And they won't tell you. 
But what you said, that was horrible, awful. Don't you ever talk about me or my family that way again. And, and, but what did I say? And, you know, there's, there's a saying, I know you think you understood what you thought I said. I'm not sure you realized that what you heard was not what I meant. And sometimes it's actually not what I said. You know, if you, if you ask people, well, actually transcribe what was said. So one person says this and they use a word and the other person hears something totally different. And I mean, literally, when the other person repeats what was said, it's not the same word and it has a different meaning. And, and sometimes people do misunderstand our meaning, totally misunderstand our meaning. And, and we get, and, and there can be just all this disruption in family over this. You know, family is family. We're not an island unto ourselves. We are in relationship with other people because God made us to be in relationship with him. So he made us, he gave us other people. As a matter of fact, he told St. Catherine of Siena, I, I, I require of you that you love the way I loved. Well, that means you have to love before you're loved. But you see, I love you already, so you can't love me first. So I gave you your neighbor. So you can love your neighbor before your neighbor even loves you. We're suppo supposed to love first. We're supposed to go out and love and spread the love of God. So we want to spread the forgiveness of God. We're not supposed to wait till other people say, I'm sorry. We're supposed to say, I forgive you. Now, it can happen that the person isn't ready to accept it. It's like somebody hurts you and you say, I forgive you. And they say, hey, wait a minute. I'm not ready to, to, to accept that yet. Well, fine. Give it, give it a day or two and say, okay, I, I want to make sure that we're not angry with each other and we're not at odds with each other. I want you to understand that I really do forgive you. I hope you're, you're able to, to accept that now. Because we have to give the emotions some space. If we just stuff our emotions down and say, no, 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 it's not right to feel angry. I can't feel any anger. No, no, no. Eventually, all that anger is going to get, and it's going to be like the pressure of a volcano. And it will explode like a volcano. It has to be gradually let off and processed. And that's why the Anger and Forgiveness CD by Deacon McDonald would be a good CD to get. And, and just learn how to process, you know, work. And, and you can do things like emo, the, the emotion of anger produces adrenaline in the human person. And so when we feel the emotion of anger, we get this adrenaline because we're supposed to do one of two things. We're supposed to run away or we're supposed to fight. We're supposed to fight the evil or we're supposed to run from the evil so it doesn't overcome us, overtake us. So Either of those things takes adrenaline. So our body produces adrenaline when we feel the emotion of anger. So adrenaline needs a physical workout. That's why it's nice to have a punching bag, not a person. <laughs> and you don't draw faces on the punching bag. No, that's not allowed. But it's not, I'm not angry at the person. It's not the person I want to hurt. It's I want to work out the adrenaline in me. So I'll punch on the punching bag or scribble on a piece of paper or crumple up paper and throw it. But you have to clean up the mess after, Okay. Another thing you can do is go for a hike. Go for a good uphill hike. Walk out there uphill 45 minutes. It will dissipate the adrenaline. You know, do something to dissipate the adrenaline that the emotion of anger produces. But I don't consent to the sin of anger. I don't want to harbor resentment and bitterness and hatred toward my brother. Okay? What, what is a biblical approach when something is wrong? Well, in the book of Esther, we have this beautiful story of Queen Esther, and she was a Jewess in a foreign land. Uh, the queen of that foreign land had done something that offended the king, and so she was no longer the queen. She might have been put to death. You couldn't come into the presence of the king without being invited, and anyone who did would be put to death. 
Well, his wife came in without being invited. The queen came in without invite, being invited. So it was like, no, she disobeyed you. Boom. She's got to be done with. So they got a new queen and the new queen happened to be Esther, a Jewish girl. And then there was this guy in that country who hated um, the Jews and he wanted them all dead. And he hated them because he hated one particular Jew. Mordecai wouldn't pay obsolescence to this man who worked for the king. He wouldn't bow down and worship him because Mordecai was a Jew. He said, no, I worship the Lord God only. I don't worship men. And so this, this man who, um, Haman, he went ahead and uh, figured out a way to get rid of all the Jews. And he got the king to agree. So the, the Mordecai was Esther's uncle. And he comes to her and he says, look, Esther, you're a Jew. And you're going to die with the rest of us. You need to intercede for your people. God made you the queen so that you could intercede in this specific instance. And she's like, what am I going to do? So what does she do? Queen Esther, seized with mortal anguish, had recourse to the Lord. She lay prostrate upon the ground together with her handmaids from morning until evening. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, blessed are you. Help me who am alone and have no help but you. For I am taking my life in my hand. As a child, I used to hear from the books of my forefathers that you, O Lord, always free those who are pleasing to you. Now help me who am alone and have no one but you, O Lord, my God. And now come to help me an orphan. Put in the mouth, put in my mouth persuasive words in the presence of the lion and turn his heart to hatred for our enemy so that he and those in league with him may perish. Save us from the hand of our enemies. Turn mourning into gladness and our sorrow into wholeness. Esther is going to have to go into the presence of the king, but she hasn't been summoned. He is the lion. And she has to, and somehow she has to convince him because if he doesn't, when she walks into that throne room, if he does not extend the scepter to her, that's a death sentence. So this is, she's taking her life in her hand and she is an orphan. She was raised by her uncle. Her parents had died. So Esther is going, but she fasts and she prays from morning until evening. She lies prostrate and she fasts and she prays. This is in the book of Esther and you can read the book of Esther. Beautiful story. Now, the one difference here is she prays that the Lord will destroy their enemies. Jesus Christ teaches us, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. So in the Old Testament, yeah, it was pray for the death of your enemy. In the New Testament, it's pray for the conversion of your enemy. We don't want our enemies to be killed. We want our enemies to die to sin and live in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We want everyone to come and live in Christ. And then we won't be enemies because if we're all living in Christ and for Christ, then Jesus Christ becomes all in all and we will all live together as brothers and sisters, which we are because God is our father. But Esther prays. She prays and she fasts. And you have to read the book of Esther so you don't miss the end of the story. But the point is this. We pray. And of course, we don't, you know, we don't ask for the death of our enemy. That's not, that was an Old Testament um, how do you say that? A mode. That was a mode in the Old Testament. That was what typical. But Christ teaches us something different. He says to pray for your enemies. Jesus Christ doesn't condemn those who are killing him. How do I know that? What was his first word from the cross? When darkness covers the whole land, 
from the sixth hour to about the ninth hour, what does Jesus say? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. So that that idea in the Old Testament of praying that our enemies will perish becomes praying for the conversion of our enemies, that the Father will forgive them because they don't know what they do. And, and you know, the reality is, is what about us? I mean, if God were to come to wipe out all the bad guys, who's left? Do we really think we're going to get away? Have we never offended God? And have we fully forgiven everyone from the depth of our heart? Or do we still, every time somebody hurts us, right away we're thinking about how can I get even with this person? And we have to catch ourselves and say, stop. No, I renounce those thoughts. I don't want that in my heart, Lord. I reject it. I'm not going to plan revenge. I'm not going to try and get even. And I'm not going to keep nursing the grudge. I'm not going to keep petting that wound or picking at that scab so it keeps opening up and bleeding so that wound can never heal. No, Lord, I will to forgive. But first of all, I don't consent to the sin of anger. And I feel the emotion of anger. And I acknowledge that an injustice is done. You know, when somebody cuts people out of their life just because they don't like the way the people make them feel, there's a problem. Because you see, our feelings don't always authentically represent reality. Our feelings are real. They're very real, okay? But, you know, somebody walks by you and they bump into you and you're like, what did you do that for? Look at you, you're trying to hurt me. You're trying to beat me up. It's like, no, honey, they probably never even saw you. Maybe they've got something going on. Maybe someone in their family died and they're preoccupied and they didn't even realize you were there. No, your feelings don't authentically represent the reality of what's going on, you know. And somebody may tell you, well, you know, if you have a problem in your relationships with other people, maybe instead of blaming the people around you for the problems in your relationships, you should look at yourself and examine your own heart. And maybe there's something in your heart that needs to change. And if that makes you angry, your feelings aren't authentically representing reality. You weren't disrespected. No one was being mean to you. No one was um, talking down to you. It, we have to call each other to grow in virtue. So like Esther, we need to fast and pray. We need to rejoice when sinners convert. We need to beg God for mercy for ourselves and for everyone that we know. And we, you know what? We thank you all for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. And this time just goes too fast. And thank God that this that women aren't priests. Because if we were, you'd be in church all day and half the night too because we talk so much. <laughs> God, the, the church is the way God made it in terms of the priesthood belongs to men. But women have a role in the church, and that's true. We all have a role. So we want to thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us. Join us again next week, please, God, on Bible with the Barbers. If you can donate, 877-526-2151 is that number. And you can call for the download of Deacon Bob McDonald's Anger.